You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hello and welcome to Financial's podcast, Future Rich. My name is Barbara Ginty and I'm your host and also a CFP, which is a certified financial planner. And I am here with one of our expert guests, uh, Nick Loper from the Side Hustle Show. And also his website is sidehustlenation.com. Thanks for joining us, Nick. You bet. Thank you for having me. Of course. As you can imagine, being a personal finance expert, I give a lot of people advice and one way on your blog, you said there's two ways to get rich. One is to have more or to make more money. And then the other way is to desire less. And I think I definitely focus on desiring less and, and budgeting and how you can use that as a tool. And I think that making more money is another phenomenal option. But I think as you pointed out in some of your podcasts and on your blog, um, there are some obstacles um, to getting started, such as coming up with an idea and then how to actually implement it. Right. I try and tackle it from both sides, this make more, <laughs> desire less combination, because it's like if you could train yourself, to, and we're not talking about extreme cheapskates and some of the links that people go to in the name of frugality, but to be intentional with your spending on the expense side, but then realize that your income potential is not fixed as well. And it's and it's honestly a lot more fun to work on than trying to figure out where to pinch pennies. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's really fun um, to come up with another income source because I think you've also pointed out that most people are not exactly thrilled with their nine to five. And that's not everybody. Like, I really like my business, um, but there are definitely people that go to work and, and don't love it and live for the weekends and live for the time after work. And so I think when because I do suggest to people often if they can bring in additional revenue with something that they're doing. So example with teachers, if they can tutor on the weekend um, or, you know, other people, other professionals that they can use their skill sets to do something on the weekends or nights to bring in more money, it can kind of change their whole lifestyle. Absolutely. So what inspired you to take the leap 
because you now are done with a nine to five totally and have been for a while, right? Yes, it's been over 10 years, which oh my gosh, is it's a long time. It's kind of crazy. I'm really grateful to be able to work from home and, and do the work that I do. The original vehicle that let me quit my job was completely different from what I'm doing today. It was a comparison shopping site for footwear. So it would pull in the catalogs from Zappos and Amazon and all these other different online shoe stores and basically tell you where you could get the best price. And we had all these cool like product level uh, coupon integrations and tax and shipping calculators. And it would earn commissions from these stores when anybody would order through the site. So that was, you know, three years of nights and weekends. That was the original side hustle that let me quit my job. And then it was on the side from that several years later that I started the Side Hustle Nation blog and podcast. Wow. So now I have a question as like a very, you know, as a personal finance person, I tend to stress the importance of an emergency fund and your budget and, you know, not jumping into a business until you know that it can support you. Cause I've seen people do it both ways. And I do think sometimes there can be an argument for the latter, right? You, you might need to put those hours in to get the business off the ground. So yes. did you have your emergency fund all set up? Were you prepared for the change in income and budgeting and so forth? Yeah, we didn't really call it an emergency fund, but my wife and I, you know, had several years or several months, maybe even a year's worth of savings as a as a backup plan. And I also had a track record of revenue in the business. So I had, you know, six or twelve months of earnings history that was at least covering my share of the expenses. Maybe it hadn't fully replaced my day job salary yet, but I could see with an extra 40, 50 hours a week to dedicate to it, I could see how it could get there and beyond. And that's what ended up happening in that first year. That's incredible. So so would that be your recommendation if someone, you know, one of our listeners um, is checking out this pod and they want to do a side hustle, would that be the, the avenue you would say like to get it started and at least have a track record of revenue and kind of see the projection? I would be more comfortable with that. I mean, you hear the stories of like, uh, oh, an entrepreneur is uh, is somebody who jumps off a cliff and figures out how to build their parachute on the way down. Yeah, like that sounds terrifying exactly, to me. Yeah, that's exactly what you hear. And I kind of disagree having yeah. corporate America to buy a business, which was revenue um, generating when I bought it. It didn't have enough revenue to cover my cost, um, but it was profitable. And I could see that you know, with the time invested and, you know, what the trajectory would be. But I definitely have people that come on the show that say, well, I need to quit my day job in order to pursue, a, you know, another avenue. Yeah, I would caution against that, uh, at least in the early days, because you want to, you know, have some validation, you want to have some, 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 you know, revenue history, some profit history to say like, okay, there is, there is legs here. And when your time becomes the bottleneck, you can say, okay, now's the time to make the leap. It's now or never. And you hear that from a lot of people where it's like, I was building this thing on the side and then I got laid off. And instead of looking for another job, it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because it was almost like the universe giving me permission to go pursue this thing. And had I not had that as a fallback, as a backup plan, it would have been you know, an incredibly stressful time. But instead, it was like, oh, maybe it's a sign that it's time to really uh, pour my heart into this side business. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you got laid off with severance, right? Because then it gives you like a, a runway where you have income and health insurance um, to get it up and running. And I would say that's another big thing, especially if here because our 
our show is predominantly women guests. And that's another, um, usually a bigger concern I find for women versus men is having health insurance. Any advice on that? Health insurance is out of control. It's, it's, uh, like, I don't want to get political, but like you could imagine the additional incremental innovation and entrepreneurship and startups, like if we decoupled insurance from employment, right? Because it's like so many people are stuck in jobs because they need insurance and it's prohibitively expensive for new businesses starting out. Like, so I was looking the other day for a family before it would be over a thousand dollars a month if I were to go buy insurance on the exchange today. And it would be horrible coverage. I mean, the coverage itself would be fine, but it's like a high deductible plan. And it's like, that's a very real cost. And it's something that you have to budget for. And there are some um, mystery related health sharing plans that uh, you know might be a fit for you depending on certain lifestyle choices. But it's it's something that's tough to get around. Yeah. Because I, I, the reason I bring it up is it was one of my largest expenses that I didn't plan for when I bought the business. Um, so my coverage as a single female was almost, and it was good coverage. So it didn't have a particularly high deductible because I was concerned with having to pay out of pocket and then having it reset every year. Um, Cause I figured if my luck, I would hit the deductible in like December and then have it reset in January. <laughs> right. um, if you're going to get injured, make sure to do it in January, February. You want to get injured January 1st. I feel like I would get injured like December 30th. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was spending almost a thousand dollars a month, which is something I hadn't really budget it well enough for because it was one of the largest you know it was a very large expense that I had monthly and I can yeah and so these are some of the practical things that I think kind of hold people back from wanting to leave a job they don't like is because they have that consistency of income and health insurance I think is a big one and just for the sake of comparison when I first left my job I was able to buy uh you know basic single guy health insurance for like 50 or 60 bucks a month it's gone up astronomically that is manageable yeah, that was okay. And I, you know, was healthy and thankfully never really had to use it. And I guess one of the, you know, call it hacks that we're able to use now is my wife is still employed and still has insurance through her job. So that saves us some, some expense uh, on that front. And it's helpful to look at, you know, any sort of side hustle or business venture as a team sport, as if your spouse is going to be supporting you emotionally, maybe supporting you financially during the early times, supporting you with some of these hidden costs like the insurance piece. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it can be an emotional roller coaster. I think you mentioned um, on one thing I listened that some of the ventures you tried didn't work out. And I think that's another reality of being an entrepreneur. Oh my gosh. So many, uh, so many projects just dying a quiet death in like some corner of the internet. It's, it almost comes <laughs> with, with the territory. It's like the more, like in baseball, nobody bats a thousand, right? Even if you hit 300, right. that's considered like, if you do that for 20 years, like that's a hall of fame career, you know, mm -hmm. the same thing is true in business. Like not everything that you try is going to be a hit even today. Like I did a recent podcast about like this course launch that I did and yeah, it sold some copies and it was okay. I mean, the teachable, yeah. The teachable course, right? Yeah. And it was like, yes. you know, I to poured so much time and effort and energy into it and, you know, got, 50 or 60 students, I forget. And it was like, okay, but it wasn't like this, you know, home run, you know, killer case study that you end up reading about uh, online. Oh, a six figure launch or something like that. So it's all, it's all kind of an experiment, a learning curve. And I don't know that that ever stops. No, that makes total sense. And I, I can relate to the same as being um, an entrepreneur. A lot of things I've tried 
a lot, a lot of things have, I have tried have not worked. And I think the key is being persistent, right. And like that you keep trying and eventually something you figure out what works and, and then you go from there. So what worked for you was the shoe, the shoe business. Is that the right word for the <laughs> yeah. shoe? That's what I called it. Right? Yeah, my I shoe business. An online shoe salesman. Yeah, it was an interesting. I got somebody <laughs> like Ted Bundy jokes or um, Al Bundy jokes, I should say. <laughs> so did you end up selling that or that just like that just gave you the revenue to start the next project? It kind of ended up. So the, the site operated in the margin between the cost of traffic. So I had to buy traffic from Google in the okay. form of advertising. Never really ranked well uh, organically. and the revenue side was the affiliate commission. So over the course of eight or 10 years, like that margin got narrower and narrower and narrower as more advertisers came into play, like those costs increases, increased. And then on the other side, the commissions kind of got trimmed a little bit as in the early days, these companies were like really aggressive. They saw the affiliate channel as uh, customer acquisition, like we're going to pay upfront. We might even lose money on that first order, but then hopefully that customer is going to stick around for years and years and buy lots of shoes from us. And they kind of revised that strategy over the years. So it kind of was on the decline around the same time that the podcast was picking up. And so I was really happy, again, to have a side hustle to fall back on as one revenue stream kind of uh, was drying up. So do you think there's like a magic number of revenue streams? Like, do you think you should rely on one or do you think you should have, I heard I think you use like a three-legged stool example, which is an example I like to use too. Um, in yeah, the podcast. revenue. <laughs> I like. I'm, I'm really grateful to be in a business where that like fuels my uh, ADD, where it's like I can have you know a dozen different projects going on, and it's like, hey, that gives me content to write about. For most people, I would say the rule should be simplify first, diversify second. And oh. what I mean by that is like get get one thing up and running. In, in, in addition to your day job, like that's one income stream. Um, and you can think about it as like a, I call it like the passive income pie. And, you know, we can talk about passive income versus active income. But, you know, for the sake of this argument, like everybody starts out with this passive income pie being like 100% active, like 0% passive. And then over time, like maybe you make some investments, you're, you know, earning dividends or interest. And like you have this little sliver of passive income, of time leveraged income that starts showing up on that pie. And the goal over the course of your life, eventually you're going to have to shift to 100% passive income in retirement, right? So it's yeah. like, how do you keep increasing that time leveraged piece, that passive piece of the pie while diminishing your, um, your active income? Or at least considering, like, consider investing or allocating a little bit of your time every week towards things that are going to grow that passive piece of the pie. One of my favorite stories from the show on this is a guy, Matt Boknock, out of Chicago. His side hustle was repairing motorcycles in his garage. That would, you know, add on Craigslist, don't go to the shop, take it to me instead, I'll save you some money his stroke of genius, and it was a straight, you know, hours for dollars type of business. His stroke of genius was filming himself doing the repairs. So all of a sudden now he's got content to put up on YouTube. He starts selling these like full engine rebuild videos, uh, you know, as a digital download. And now years later, his business, like, you know, he will go out and buy, you know, project bikes just for the sake of creating content. Like he's not taking customer projects anymore. His income comes from YouTube ads, from these digital product sales. Uh, insurance no. companies saw his 
YouTube channel reached out like, hey, would you do some sponsored videos for it? Like, sure. And it's just crazy how, you know, that one little decision to start like carving out again, you know, took him more time, like took time out of his active income earning time to start building these passive income assets. I thought it's one of my favorite stories from the show. Well, that was pretty because I was going to ask you if you had a favorite show um, for our listeners. Do you know what do you know what number? Because you have over 300 podcasts out. You have so many. He's been on a couple times. The first okay. time he was, you know, about a thousand bucks a month, and uh, the revenue split was about fifty-fifty between the the active and passive streams. And then he was on again last fall, um, where the shift was like ninety-seven percent uh, passive. Wow. So the most recent episode is three fifty-four. Number three fifty-four. Okay, great. That's perfect. Yeah, I think that's a great example um, because I do think that our generation, because you're a millennial as well, I take it. Yes. I'm a, I'm a senior millennial. I'm like one of the elder millennials. I'll, I'll call myself a senior millennial too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of our other guests, Marcus, I think coined that. Um, and so I think the, the, the goal for most people is to not have to be tied to that day job, right? So that they can have more flexibility, work remote, have more control over their life and not, I think past generations have been really happy to have a steady, consistent income, you know, for 30 years, same job, nine to five. Yes. And I'll add, there was one interesting finding, was that out of the out of all the side hustle show guests, we're up to episode three hundred and seventy something. Um, more of them started with a service business than any other business. So we talked about you know building this time leveraged income, building this passive income. Most of the guests didn't start there. They started with, what problem can I solve for somebody else? And they're going to cut me a check or they're going to send me a Venmo or something for that. Like. Uh, it's an hours for dollars thing, but it's on your own terms. It's freelancing, it's consulting, it's coaching. So still, you're, they all started with the same concept, which is you're selling your hours for dollars. Yes. More, more, I should say, more than any other business model. And then they were able to transition the service business into something more scalable, something more passive. Yeah. So maybe they brought on team members and built an agency. Maybe they created some uh, digital product for the people that they were serving. Maybe they pivoted to something else entirely. But it's kind of interesting over and over again, the stories that say, well, I started here and then that led to this conversation or that led to this idea or one of the customers I connected with was looking for a partner on this other thing. And it's kind of the you know, an object, it's like new, it's like physics, right? An object in motion stays in motion. An entrepreneur in motion stays yeah. in motion. The biggest step is that like getting, overcome the, the inertia of, you know, zero to one. And once you do that, like the, um, the opportunities start to start to pop up and some good things can start to happen. Yeah. Well, that's, I think this is really inspiring for all of our listeners. So just curious, did you, did you always envision yourself as being an entrepreneur? What really bit me with the entrepreneurial bug was a house painting internship in college where it was one of these um college works painting was the was the name and it was one of these where they assign you a territory and they teach you how to estimate jobs and they tell you how to paint a house which is helpful and they say all right go out and go out and sell this service and that was my first taste of working for profits and not wages that was my first taste of having like real ownership over something that was you know, pretty substantial. I think we did around 60 or 70 grand in business both summers that I did it. And it was like this crazy stressful, but like crazy rewarding uh, enterprise at the same time. And so they post on this like company's, you know, internal blog at the end of the summer, they said like, if you've made it this far, 
we've ruined your life. And the post went on to explain, like, you're not going to be able to go back to working for somebody else um, because you've had you've had a taste of the other side. And it was so it was so true. So I uh, really only had a couple, uh, probably three actual jobs after that before it was like, OK, what what's going to be my escape plan? Like, how do I get out of this? <laughs> right. What's what's it going to be? That's amazing. Well, Nick, um, thank you so much for coming on the show. For our listeners, what is the best way? You have your website, and then you also have all the podcasts, which is the best way for them to listen to on iTunes or on your website? Right. You can find the Side Hustle Show in just about any podcast player these days, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, whatever you prefer. Um, If you're in the boat of uh, looking for a side hustle idea, check out sidehustlenation.com slash ideas. That's a good place to start. There's no opt-in required. It's kind of my constantly updated uh, laundry list of different ventures. And then my, my goal is you get down to the end of that page with eight or 10 uh, browser tabs open and you say, okay, I can do that. Okay. That sounds interesting. Let me learn more. Well, that's perfect because I think the idea of making more is a great way to change your financial future. And so I super appreciate you coming on. And for all of our listeners, please check out Nick Wilper at um, SideHustleNation.com and check out his podcast. Sounds good. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.